Okay. Speaking of the Super Bowl, guy got tickets to the Super Bowl, goes to the game, it's filling up. He notices there's an empty seat. So he asked the guy, hey, what's the deal? You know who has this seat? You know where they're at? He said, oh, I bought tickets quite a while ago for me and my wife, and my wife passed away. He said, oh, sorry to hear. He said, why didn't you, uh, you know, give it to somebody, one of your friends? He said, well, they're all at the funeral right now. So anyhow, should we get a little more serious here? Anybody got a Bible? Electronic device? Okay, you know what to do. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, na, na. Yeah, a little help here. Na, 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 na. If you understand that, there you go. If you understand that, this is a weapon. If you believe that, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector. Cindy Flector, Faith Inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'll read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. I'm going to talk a message entitled, Get in the Game. Okay? We're going to look at Saul's life uh, in 1 Samuel 9 and 10. I'm going to use a little my testimony, kind of frame this to be able to help you understand that God has a mission for you. Amen? Matter of fact, that word game. God's amazing mission experience, okay? He's got one for you, amen? So you say, what game do I need to get into? Well, first of all, we're just going through this thing uh, called the game of life, and some people live like, hey, at the best, you got 70, 80 years, squeeze all the life out you can, and, and then it's just over, and that's it, and there's nothing else after. Whoever gets the most toys wins kind of a thing. But I'm telling you, the life we're experiencing now compared to eternity is like one grain of sand compared to all the sand on all the beaches of the world. I mean, that's that little speck we have right now. The Bible says we're just pilgrims passing through. So, matter of fact, what we see here is just temporary. It really is. And we need, but do we live like that? You know, there's going to be a game film at the end of this thing. You're going to sit down with your heavenly coach, and he's going to crank that thing on. You're going to look at it. He's going to point out the good and the bad, and you're going to, you're going to kind of realize then. But do we live like there's an eye in the sky? You know, when I played with the Chicago Bears, we had our practice facility at Wake Forest, and, and they would have these tall scaffolds on the play, during the practice, and they'd have cameras up there. Every practice was filmed. And when you, at, the next day, you would go into the meetings, and my defensive coach was Buddy Ryan, and he was, he took the Bears to the Super Bowl a little later, but this guy was brutal. And when you sit in there, first of all, a rookie, all he called you by was your number. And then in that film, they crank it. See, you can make up all kinds of excuses, but that eye in the sky don't lie, does it? And they would point at it and say, 43, you blankety-blank. That was a blankety-blank. And he had this list of expletives that ended. The longer the list, the worse the play was. And it was just a terrible thing. But do we live life like there's an eye in the sky? That really, are we living toward eternity or just trying to live for what's right now? Because you know we will be held accountable. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, praise the Lord, we got a great coach, the Holy Spirit, a comforter, an encourager, somebody that's going to lead us in all truth, somebody that the Bible says will give us power to accomplish this mission that God's given us. Amen? So let's look at Saul's mission to be king of Israel in 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10. And before I get going, first of all, uh, pray that I don't rush through this too much. I get kind of, I'm kind of excited for two reasons. First of all, uh, 
I really feel what's going to happen at the end of this service. I don't know why. I feel there's 12 people going to give their life to the Lord or they have the opportunity to. And it, so it's just, that's an exciting thing. That's more exciting than the Super Bowl to see lives changed. And also, I'm talking about Samuel and Saul. I'm going to probably get those names mixed up every once in a while. So you just put them back in place. The Holy Spirit can help you do that. And I got a lot of scriptures written out. I'm probably just have to tell them because I uh, didn't have a lot of time to rehearse this and realize uh, if I read it all, it's going to we'll probably be here a while. So anyhow, you ready to go? go? Let's pray then. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just pray for Pastor John. You continue just to heal him and feel great. And Linnell, she's getting ready to take a mission trip. Lord, just grace on that family and bless them. But Lord, these here today, there could be somebody here I believe is a divine appointment. They're not sure where they're going to spend eternity. There's others that are just sitting on the sidelines and realize, man, it, it would be better just to get in the game. And whatever that means for them. So Holy Spirit, I believe you can speak to anybody today. And you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel 9, 1 through 3. There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. It lists his sons. Because at verse 2, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. One day, Kish's donkey strayed away, and he told Saul, take a servant with you, go look for the donkeys. So what happens, they look all over for these donkeys. From one area to the next, they can't find them. And then the servant recommends, well, why don't we go find this man of God? And you kind of look and you realize, you know, I don't think Samuel's a very spiritual person. Okay, he didn't come up with this idea. But you kind of look at the end of the story. I think it kind of shows us why I'm thinking that. 1 Samuel 10, when Saul and his servants, this is a whole next chapter, arrived at Gibbeth, they saw a group of prophets coming down toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and, he, Saul, and he too began to prophesy. Then those who knew Saul heard about it. They exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of, origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? They're referring to his father. Very, all it says in the Bible about his father is that he was a prominent man, an influential man, not a spiritual man. And from the looks of it, they're saying, man, how could you be a man of God and prophesy if you came from this you know, lineage, if you came from that guy. So that's kind of my preface there. I don't think he's very spiritual. And I think it's kind of confirmed by, you think about Israel's first king is led to the throne by some lost donkeys. All right? It wasn't like he had a relationship where he could speak to him, and that's the way it worked out. But it's amazing. We have no idea how God will use sometimes seemingly um, normal or kind of crazy circumstances to lead us to where he needs us to be. You know, God wanted to use this circumstance to guide Saul. God will use circumstances in our lives the same way. We need to trust God's goodness and that he can make all things work together for good. Now, I know when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that. You know, I look how God uh, was kind of ordering my life and how he kept me from some things. You know, it started off, I signed with the Bears, and, and I show up at camp, and, and I'm excited. And they say, okay, uh, go with your position coaches. I took off and went with the running back coach because that's what I played in high school. I didn't realize they signed me as a wide receiver. And now I look back, man, they had uh, Ed Marinero, All-American from Alabama, uh, Another All-American that was on a TV show, Hill Street Blues, Ed Marinero. They had uh, Roland Harper and a guy named Walter Payton. And, you know, I kind of stuck to the last but got cut. I say, man, if I'd have just done that. So then I end up signing with the 49ers. And I go out there. And they got a guy right beside me, his last chance, a guy named O.J. Simpson. You know, the white Bronco thing. And, uh, but I got hurt. 
and they released me while I was hurt, and then I ended up in Jacksonville, Florida, playing semi-pro football. Like, where are you at, God? Well, at the end of that, I had to switch the defensive back to play. I was the most valuable player all season, had a bunch of highlight films, sent them to the Bears. They re-signed me. I go back there, and the last week I'm there, I met this girl named Sharon. But see, to go there, my girlfriend broke up with me. I went there crying like a baby because she broke up with me and ended up going with one of my better friends. But I get down there and see, what did God have for me? And I just, can I get a shout out to my wife? I'm telling you, 37, 8 years, something like that. But I'm telling you, uh, she'd make the all-pro team as far as what she does in church, what she does for our family and our home, and, and our kids are great, thank God, because of her. But anyhow... And then I had, real close, a couple years, I could have been in the Super Bowl with the Bears. But, God, you know, I wanted that feeling of running out in the field, Travis. You know that. And back then, it wasn't as exciting. I didn't have all the pyrotechnics and everything. Matter of fact, with the Bears, I remember standing in that alleyway, ready to run out for my first time. And our coach is there. Neil Armstrong was a coach. And I'm all excited. He kind of looks at me. He said, what do you think? And I just look around. I haven't seen this many people in one place since the Nebraska State Fair. And he's just kind of like, okay, what did I get here? And, oh, he said, by the way, put your helmet on. I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, why? Because the Bears were not popular. They were losing, and they would throw beer bottles at you on the way out. That was kind of the way it was. But anyhow, God ordered our steps. Praise the Lord. Uh, Saul and his servant looking over. They couldn't find the donkeys. They said, there's this man of God. And you know what they said about Samuel, the man of God? He said, he's a man of God, a seer, a prophet, and he was an honorable man, and surely what he says comes to pass. Now, wouldn't that be a great uh, testament for believers in the church? Man, there's just something about that man or woman of God. Verse 15. Now, even the Lord had told Samuel in his ear that day that this guy Saul's going to show up. And tomorrow you're going to tell him this and do that. I mean, do you see the difference? He has to speak to Saul through lost donkeys. He speaks to Samuel in his ear. I mean, how many of that want to be that your prayer? Man, I pray it be like Moses. God speak to us face to face, not in dark sayings or riddles, but communicate with us. I mean, right in our ear. And not have to go through these crazy circumstances. Some of you might have some crazy circumstances just to get here today. You know, verse 18, Saul draws near to Samuel. Basically, where's the seer? Samuel says, I am the one. And by the way, those donkeys you're looking for, don't worry about them. I know where they're at. Now, now Samuel's starting to step back. Oh, wait a minute. And he goes on and telling some other stuff. He said, wait, I'm from the smallest tribe. You know, I am the weakest of all people. You know, why, you know, why are we having this God moment like this? And then Samuel invites him to eat, puts him at the head of the table, gives him the choicest meal, already setting him up as he's king, okay? That's what he's going to be. Verse 25, Samuel speaks to Saul at the top of the house, probably telling him about this kingship and how he needs to be a good king and do things right. And then he speaks and says, get up that, you may, that I may send you on your way. Now, I want to use that phrase, get up. Say get up. When I talk about getting in the game, okay, the first thing you have to do is the letter G is get up, okay? you got to get up and begin to move. And just in this pursuit of football, I realized, uh, you know, I had to get up to accomplish some things. Now, I worked in a, you know, I was in a little town. My dad ran the grain elevator, farming community. I worked for farmers. And I realized, okay, my job at the elevator was from 7 in the morning to about 6 at night. And it was tough. And, but, yeah, if I wanted to play this sport, I had to go to the next level. I had to train. And so at 530 in the morning, 
I'd have this, and back then you didn't have all the technology, so I had this crazy big machine that would just kick on the electricity that would go to my record player that would, this big piece of vinyl, 33 by and a third, would drop down, and this arm would go across with this needle, and when it hit, music would start playing. Vinyl's coming back, by the way, kids. You might check on that. Um, but you know what happened when, at 5.30 in the morning, then you'd hear, and Rocky would shake the windows to try to get me out of bed. And I'd wake up, and I'd stumble the fridge, break a couple raw eggs, drink them, and I'd go meet my buddy Jerry in his basement, and we'd lift weights. And then at the end of the day, I'd come home. I was tired, but I just want to sit down a minute, so i sit in the easy chair. Now, you know how that easy chair can start talking to you. It'll say, oh, it's awful cold out there, Mike. Why don't you just sit here and keep me warm a while? Just take a little bitty nap. And then those arms of the easy chair would reach around you and embrace you. And you just, well, maybe just a little nap. You don't want to argue with an easy chair, do you? And then you take that little nap. And then you get up and you would feel worse. And you realize, man, I missed running. And you do that a couple times. Finally, the next time you sit down, you say, I'm going to run. I'm, I'm gonna. And you get up and you go run. And you realize, man, I actually feel better. So what's your easy chair? What do you got to do to just kind of get up? Is it for you, hit the snooze 10 times? Talk to somebody here that said they got six, six different sounds or alarms that go off to try to keep them up. You know, is it just getting up and maybe reading your Bible? You know, how many, I just, and I know you might have your own thing, whatever, how many, the eyes in the sky right now, actually read our Bible app and read those two chapters, 1 Samuel 9 and 10. Let's see your hands. Amen? Okay, hopefully you got another Bible guide you're doing. If not, get our app and follow along. Two chapters a day. And just start that little discipline. And it's amazing what it can do in your life. Amen? Uh, you know, for me and my God mission, as far as getting, when I say to ministry, how many here I want to just recognize, how many are in full-time ministry? Would you wave at me? Okay, you all ought to be waving your hand. I was just checking there. We're all in a ministry. Some are on staff and maybe get paid, but we're all in full-time ministry. Okay, you'll think about that a little bit, all right? Um, you know, mine was, I just, I found me a study Bible. It was an open Bible. I would read it. In the back, it had little study things. It even talk about the end times. It would talk about the rewards we can get in heaven, all these things. I was just eating up the word. I'd go to church whenever the door was open. We had church Sunday night. We had church Sunday morning. We had the Sunday hour of power, which was kind of a lie because it was from 2 to about 6 o'clock, about 4 hours. But, man, the power of God was there. i go to Bible study Friday night. The power team, I just met some of those guys, and one of my friends from my football team was on there. And I'd go to schools and set up bricks for them, and I would just be around whatever I could. And if I got an opportunity to share a little bit of a testimony, I would do that. You know, I would just do those basic things. You know, even that reading your Bible, uh, Pastor Travis, in our huddle time, those that serve, we come early just to pray for this service and, and get a little inspiration. I've been praying some videos from Craig Groeschel, Life Church, and he's got a podcast. But he was just talking about starting one discipline a year. Just do one. And it, and. Cole was sitting in the front row. He might be here now. But, uh, you know, I was saying, just think if you started one discipline a year. You know, I'm going to be 65 this year. He's 25. How many disciplines could he do in that 40? Is that what that math you gave me, Travis? 
40, 40, all right, just checking. But 40, how many disciplines could you add? I mean, Craig Rochelle, he added the discipline, I'm going to read the Bible, you know, once every year. I'm going to, then he, another discipline the next year was, hey, you know, this year, you know, me and my wife, we go different, we're just going to start each day or end each day, we just grab a hand, we say a simple prayer, Lord, just order our steps and bless us. Just think what that can do to your life, just those simple disciplines. First Samuel 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil. So he pours it over him, and he says, it is, not be is it because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? I want to stop there a moment. Do you realize it says in uh, Ephesians 1 that we have an inheritance, that God gave us this guarantee or the seal, the Holy Spirit, and we have an inheritance of all these precious, great and precious promises that he's given us, and he's given us those things. And as Christians, we're under a new covenant, and it says we have an anointing according to 1 John 2.20. It says we have an anointing from the Holy One. And I'm telling you, that oil was a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, when you become a Christian, yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but there's another experience of the baptism where that oil gets poured over your head, and I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. It really is. And so if you say yes to the mission of God to get in the game, God will anoint you with the power of the Holy Spirit if you ask for it, and you'll accomplish great things for his kingdom. And then God, as far as this mission, God has a way to confirm things, that you're on the right path, doing the right thing at the right time. 1 Samuel 10. So now Samuel is telling Saul some things to kind of confirm it. He says, by the way, you're going to go, and you're going to end up at, when you go to Rachel's tomb, there's going to be two men there. And what they're going to tell you is, hey, the donkeys you're looking for, we have found them, but now your father's not worried about the donkeys. He's worried about his son because he hasn't showed up. Now, you think you walk up to a random tomb, two people there, tell them your business. I mean, man, this, this man of God must be telling the truth here. And so that means if he's telling, if this happens, then what he's saying about me being king, man, that might happen. You know, one of those steps you could take, get in our Connect class. I mean, it'll help you get on that mission course because what you do is you'll take a spiritual gifts test. You'll find out what your gifts are. Our coaches will meet with you, show you opportunities to serve in our community and our church. And week three, I'm telling you, it's a powerful week. Pastor Linnell, uh, Kevin Moat, some of our prophetic team come in, and they pray and prophesy over you. And every time, it's always been a great, it's always encouraging, encourage, you know, edifying. It's never corrective or directive. And I just see you got to get the tissues out because they just sense God there. I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. It really is. And that gift's available for every one of us in the Bible. It really is. And so now, and I just look back at the way God confirmed things in my life. Even coming here, uh, I had an opportunity to do some stuff with the power team. I couldn't get a piece about it. And I tried to call Church on the Rock in Dallas, the big church with 10,000, left a message. Nobody called me back. And I had that thought, man, if it's Church on the Rock. And this opportunity comes up here. I'm driving down state line with the pastor at that time, which is Tim's story. He says the word church on the rock. And all of a sudden, God brought back to a time I stand by this lady's door. I said, man, it was just church on the rock. And God just had a way to confirm that. That's why I encourage you to journal. Just write some. I'm not very good at it at times. But just write down, man, things you're feeling God's saying, things you're hearing. You'll go back and look and say, man, God was trying to point me in this direction. Or, man, I got off course. Whatever. The, God is a communicating God. And he wants to communicate with us. He really does. Give him opportunity. This is the first place he'll speak to you is in this word right here. And so then if that's not enough, you get to verse 3 and 4. Now Samuel says, Saul, you're going to go, and you're going to go to the particular tree at Tabor, and there's going to be three men. One of them's going to have three goats. One of them's going to have three loaves of bread. Another one's going to have a flask of wine. And then they're going to give you two loaves of bread as a gift. 
Can you get any more specific than that? Three guys, three goats, three bread, and, and you're going to get two? Confirming it all the time. And so then he gets to this place. He said, now you're going to meet this band of prophets when you at the camp of the Philistines. You know, a lot of times uh, when you have an encounter with God, I'm going to tell you, the enemy's right there to try to take it away from you. But in this case, he met the prophets. They're playing their stringed instruments, tambourines. He said, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you'll be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come upon you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You know, there's an anointing. There's just, I was, I gave my life to Christ April 14, 1984, in a football chapel service in Jacksonville, Florida. And after that, I mean, my life began to change. It really did. But I felt like there was more of God. I just said, man, I'm just not witnessing. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm still kind of following the crowd. There's got to be more. And so then I'm in San Antonio, and we were playing in this football team, the, the team, the USFL, and it is, I didn't realize it was just coming to an end that Donald Trump had one of the teams. They were filing a lawsuit against the NFL, and they actually won the agreement, and they, they settled for $1. And so that league went down the drain. And so that was the end of that. But I didn't realize we had this Bible study, and at this Bible study, there was a guy sitting, and it was all about the Holy Spirit. And that speaking in tongues stuff, and that stuff I didn't know about as a Lutheran or getting married in a Catholic church, but all I knew is I, I just wanted more of God. At the end of the Bible study, I don't realize I'm not going to see these guys again because uh, the league folds up. And the guy sitting beside me, Danny Bugs, on fire Christian, played with the Washington Redskins back in their heyday, and he puts a hand on me. And when he does, he says, you want more of God, aren't you? And I just had one of those, like God just come all over me. And he prayed I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. He started speaking in tongues, but he didn't really scare me. But I felt the presence of God. I just began to cry. And it was the presence of God. I mean, I went home and I said, God, if this is from you, I want it. I began to get some of that prayer language. And I'm telling you, literally, I turned into another man. Because the next day I witnessed to my neighbor, and he went to church that weekend and got saved. I began to say no to those guys. I was falling around the wrong crowd. I got the power to say no. I'm telling you, if nothing else, I know a lot of walls come up when you start with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking and all that stuff. But just say a prayer. God, I want more of you. Watch the journey he takes you on. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing when you get it from God. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Um, one more thing I want to point out in that story. Samuel tells Saul in verse 8, I want you to wait seven days before I show up and we do this, you know, offer the sacrifices and everything. And that's kind of a test because God's wanting to make sure that Samuel is trusting the Lord and he's trusting the real person that's kind of over Israel, which is the prophet Saul, that he's willing to submit to the man of God, that if you'll just wait. Matter of fact, Pastor Travis in his uh, offering, he talked about a later in that uh, in Saul's life where he was supposed to offer sacrifices. He got tired of waiting. See, first of all, you don't wait on a king, do you? Everybody waits on you. So it was a challenge for, for uh, Saul to have to wait on Samuel. And he did that first time, but this time he rushed it. And he went ahead, and that's the time God had to take the kingdom from him. You know, there's things in your life that are very appealing. and That's why I don't go to new car lots. I just want to get that smell in my nose. It'll just grab you. And uh, sometimes you need to wait. And maybe getting married, it's a great thing when you got a great wife and God's in it. But I'm telling you, cars and marriages, you can have accidents in pretty easy. You know what I mean? 
Those are things you don't just want to rush into. I mean, get some counsel. Be willing to wait on the Lord and get that peace you can go by. Because the devil can't counterfeit peace, can he? That's the one thing you can go by. So now we go on a little farther. And remember how he prophesied and he said, is this the son of Kish? Like, is this, is this, has anybody done that to you? All of a sudden, you kind of come out from a new place. I mean, is, is that you? Weren't you the guy doing this and that or whatever the case? Or if nothing else, it's just the enemy. You go to step out. Hey, aren't you the, aren't you the failure? Aren't you this? Aren't you that? So-and-so. You know, verse 14, Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? Okay. And Samuel says, well, I went to get the donkeys. And he just kind of brushed over the fact uh, you know, that he was going to be king. He didn't even talk about the spiritual part. How many have come home and your mom looked at you and said, where have you been? And it wasn't so much, it was how you looked. Like, okay, why are your eyes glassy? Why is that terrible smell on your breath? You know, why? where have you been? So you're getting ready to call you out. And I wonder if Saul's uncle was Okay, your hair is greasy as can be. Remember he got anointed with the flask of oil? And he said, what's going on here? And, but he sidestepped the, that issue. Oh, we, we found the donkeys. I don't know why he didn't want to acknowledge this whole thing about being king and the spiritual aspect of it. And I think sometimes when God calls us to do something, we kind of, who, me? We kind of we want to back up or hide or whatever the case may be. And then they go to the place where... Uh, they actually call out the tribes by lot, the prophet is. And the lot comes to the tribe of Benjamin, and the lot falls on Kish's son, Saul. So he's the guy that's going to be king. And then they look around, where is Saul? And the Lord has to speak up and tells uh, Samuel, he says, he is hidden among the equipment. He's out there with the baggage. He's still hiding, okay? Even though God's confirmed 100 things, and he's still not. And again, sometimes we respond like that. We're out there hiding. Uh, you know, God kind of tricked me in the ministry. I was kind of hiding out there. I wanted to do something from God, but didn't feel I measured up. And I began to serve at a church in San Antonio and just would serve and was hungry for God. Pretty soon they had me and my, my wife and I come on the altar team. We were praying for people. That was exciting. We continued to serve. And then we have a potluck after a, a one of the services to celebrate something. And we're in there. We got all the potato salad and the, and the banana pudding and all the good things that people bring. And the pastor at the end, I want to make an announcement. I want to announce our new youth pastor, Mike Ulmer. Would you come up here? I tried to hide behind a potato salad, and the bowl wasn't big enough. But the reason I say that, this pastor never talked to me. He never mentioned this to me. I didn't know he had a clue. And I'm just kind of walking up there like, what? what? And, I, and he said something to me. I was like, well, thank you. I'll pray about it. And that Wednesday, I'm trying to be a youth pastor. And wasn't able to go on any of their trips because I was working a sales job in a health spa from 9 to, you know, 9 at night. And, and somebody else had taken. But when that happened, I began to get a really heart for young people. And, man, I wanted to do this. But I, and I got to the point where, I mean, they weren't paying us. We had a promissory note from that football league. They weren't paying us. I got in real estate at the worst time in San Antonio and that it was. I had two contracts out on a house. They were both other football players who weren't getting paid. And so, you know, it was getting tight. And I go to the pastor and I said, hey, is there any chance that I could get paid to be youth pastor? He said, well, right now we're trying to make a push for TV and we just don't have the finances. I said, I understand. I said, but would you give me permission to knock on some other doors. I might just have to be a regular, I might have to move. If I, he said, hey, we release you, we'll give you permission. And 
Then God opens the door here. I mean, just supernaturally, my friend Mike Hayden called, man, there's a new pastor there. You need to call him. I said, man, I don't have Bible school, nothing. He finally talked him into me, and, you know, God made a way where I thought there was no way. And it was just amazing. It really is. That was the first time I got tricked into ministry, and I do give God glory. The second time is we're, um, I'm playing with the gunslingers at that time, and I got saved, like I said, in Jacksonville, Florida, under a guy that started all the chapel services. And like I say, he was there the next year. And I see him, and he's telling me about his ministry, Sports World Ministries. We send athletes all over the United States. They do high school assemblies. They talk drugs and alcohol, share their testimonies. And, but it's a great financial burden to fly these guys from here to there. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, the Lord's starting to challenge me about tithing, to take a step. And, start to, and I hadn't really locked into a church, so I said, well, this will be a good start. And so I'm agreeing basically to give him some money. And so then three weeks later, I'm in the locker room. My buddy Mike Hagan comes up. Hey, look at this flyer. It's got his picture on it, Rich Garza, another lineman, and then it's got my picture on it, that we're going to go all over America and speak at schools. And I just got mad. I yelled. I said, what? I said, I, can't, I didn't say I would do that. I'd give him some money. I can't speak. I don't have a testimony. They said, just relax. Just talk to God about it. Oh, you know, that? yeah, great. And they go down to somebody's condo on the beach, and they talk to God, and he shows up. And me, I'm walking outside going, Lord, what do I do after about nine at night and for about five minutes, I get nothing. And I finally go, I'll do the old Bible roulette. Boom. Going to all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, Lord, have mercy, help me. And then we got to go to Tennessee for training, which is supposed to be this paradise. Like, oh, man, we're going to have a great time. There's going to be cabins and horses, and our wives have a great time. Our kids will have a great time. And, and they'll train us even though you get paid one week, you got to stay there. You don't get paid the next week. And I'm trying to think, I can't make a house payment and all that. And we go out there. Uh, kind of, you can expect opposition. I mean, first, I don't think I have a testimony. This guy tries to train me for three days. We still don't have a testimony. I think he's given up too. And that night, I read my testimony. I didn't like it. And the next day, I, got, I go to this school. I got three to 400 students waiting in an assembly for me to talk to in 45 minutes. And I'm panicking, and I got a little suit jacket on and a tie where both Pieces of the tie are going both ways. And I'm thinking, man, I, I'll just tuck it back. But that little thing's gone. It's ripped. And I'm thinking, ah. And I was just like, man, if I just had a tie tack or something, those little thing to hold them together, a little tie clip, I bet it wasn't a minute. I'm standing there just kind of panicking. And this guy walks up. And I'm in Tennessee at a school. And he says, you know, we've been praying for you. We've got a whole team of people praying. We're praying for your, t you know, as you give your testimony. I felt, and he said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this. It's one of these little fish hooks that you clip on your cap or on your tie. I clipped it on there, and the moment I did that, it was like, ooh, I felt this God thing come over me, just kind of confirming it. You know, I went in. It went, you know, great. And, and the neat thing about it, you, I would literally tell my testimony and say the prayer, because I'm just telling my story. You know the prayer I said? I said, Jesus, come into my heart and, and make me, you know, all just the basic prayer. And then after we had three by five cards, we say, hey, write your name and address if you want more information. Tell us if the assembly was good or bad. Put a little check mark in the upper right-hand corner if you said that prayer with me. We didn't have to say it out loud, just kind of repeat it in your mind. 70 to 80% of the kids were putting check marks, sometimes even higher than that. And, man, we, me and my buddy Mike were just on fire, excited. But, you know, that paradise was not paradise for my wife and his wife. They lived in this cabin with a giant bowl in the backyard the kids couldn't even play in. The water was so bad, Mike's son got 
diarrhea so bad he was in a hospital seven days. My wife's in a cabin, a little rent house above a gas station, and she was pregnant for our second child. She started to spot and have complications, but that worked out all right. Then my oldest daughter, who had the shunt from being premature, they it plugs up. They're driving her to Knoxville. They fly me from one of the schools to meet her there, but everything turns out all right. You know, the end of my message is you can expect opposition, but you can expect help and you can expect victory. Amen. And I'm telling you, God will give you the victory in those things. You know, Spurgeon has a sermon called Hiding Among the Stuff. You know, Saul was out there hiding among the stuff. And it shows how believers and unbelievers can hide, avoiding their crown or their mission. He said, there may be some of you present who may be doing precisely what Saul did. Only you're doing it more foolishly than he did. He did hide away from an earthly crown, but you hide from a heavenly one. Man, we don't want to hide from that mission. We don't want to hide from that crown. You know, they, they're probably having that Super Bowl experience right now. And as I said, get in the game. God's amazing mission experience. That G means get up and move, and I talked about that. Some of you need to move by reading your Bible. Some of you need to move by getting that connect class. Some of you need to move instead of thinking that you can just super naturally yourself fix your marriage, go to one of our small groups. Go out there and find out a small group that you fit in because we're not designed to play this game by ourselves. We're a team. We need to be connected together. We really do. And getting in a small group, and our small group leaders, I mean, they'll tell you, man, we're doing this marriage class because we want to grow. We're not perfect. And they'll be transparent and open. I mean, take some, maybe it's your finances. You're wondering why your finances are so bad. Have you trusted God with just the 10%? And he'll make the 90% go farther than you ever thought it could. And I've been there and done that. Amen? The next one in the letter game is move towards your mission. You just got to start making some moves. And sometimes praying is not enough. You got to knock on some doors and do some things. You know, there was a, uh, the NFL went into a strike in 1987. My friend Mike Hagan said, man, I called the uh, Seahawks and they resigned me. And man, I'm going out to the play. You need to call the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember Buddy Ryan, your coach? He's the coach out there now. I said, I don't know. I finally, yeah, what the heck? I was pretty good shape and feeling pretty good. And so I called. Next day I was on a plane to go play with the Philadelphia Eagles. And this Buddy Ryan guy is the one that only called me by number 43 and usually cuss words ahead of it and behind it. And I walk, and now this time I'm a Christian. And I walk in there, and there's the coach. And, man, he gets up out of his chair, comes and greets me. Mike, man, so good to see you. Man, I remember that play, you know, when you 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 juked this guy and ran around, and I didn't remember it. And and he said, hey, here, meet Tom Fisher. You know, I said, I knew him. He was with the Bears then. He coached the Titans. And he said, hey, he's over our special teams. Get with him. I mean, just in a matter of moments, I was on the kickoff return, the punt return, and the strong safety. All at once, we went to play the Packers. And don't remember much about the game, but the strike was over right after that. So I played one game. But the good thing about it is we got health insurance for a whole year. My wife became pregnant with our, with our son, Michael, and we got it paid for, basically. And then we ended up here. I'm telling you, God, he'll order your steps. He's good. Amen? Amen okay, let's close with this. Is it the last days? Yep. Is it getting darker and darker? The Bible says terrible, perilous times, what it'll be like. And you don't have to turn on the TV and read. I mean, we just realize it's getting darker out there. And whenever it gets dark, the enemy tries to intimidate, captivate, eliminate anyone who's a threat to the kingdom of God but God. 
but God always raises up a person or a people to confront the powers of darkness. You know, you might feel like you don't have much light, that uh, it's getting really dark, and, you know, what difference can I make? But, you know, darkness provides the greatest opportunities. And I believe we're on the precipice of some great things in Texarkana. Matter of fact, I believe the enemy thinks this ground is very precious to him. And he don't want to let it go. I think that's why there's been some resistance against you, your family, against our church, to get to Gander, which is a building, which don't mean it's, it's a tool that we get to use to reach more people. And the enemy doesn't want to let it. That's why some of you are really prompted to pray more. Some of you, I mean, God's raising up intercessors and praying. But you might think, I don't have much light in the midst of this. Well, I got this little cheap. Harbor Freight free flashlight you can get. And am I blinding you, Travis? Oh, what about now? When you kill the lights out, I mean, it's enough light. Travis, get up here. I can get you. I can lead you to the cross. You know, I can lead you to a good team to follow instead. Whatever the You can turn the lights back on. I had to work that in there right at the last. But the darker it is, you don't need much light. If you're in this church, you got more light than somebody out there. You know that? You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. I'm telling you, God can do something great no matter where you are, where you're at. Amen? You know, I'm just a mom. Well, Albert Einstein's mother was just a mom. Apostle Paul's mother was just a mom. And I just take my hats off to moms and dads. Uh, and we've had single moms that have been foster parents. I mean, just think the opportunity. You don't know who that child could be or is going to be. I mean, you moms that are, I mean, it's a full-time job plus to raise kids. And I saw, I was looking through the window. I saw somebody walking up with four kids. I saw somebody walking up with five kids. And I'm going, my word. But you don't know who they are, who they could become. And those of you that foster kids, my word, the opportunity to literally change a life. We can all do something. We all have something we can offer, something we can do to make this circus, this service happen. I hope it wasn't a circus with me up here. But uh, Pastor John will be back next week. Then we have people in the parking lot, people greeting, people preparing all week to make this happen, people practicing. I mean, those souls that come to this altar at the end of this service, I mean, God gets the glory, but you all had a part to play through your tithe, through your serving, whatever the case may be. You know, last week I taped the video uh, two weeks ago, the games, to watch them when I got home, and we had prayer that night, and you get home, and, you know, I'm running through the commercials trying to catch up, and, you know, it's the saints and, the, you know, all that's going on. But my son-in-law, Tate, he went and watched the end of it. So he knew what happened. So he's watching my response. He doesn't know it goes in overtime. Well, he doesn't know this. And he's kind of all excited to see my response. But just think for a minute. When you have a, a game recorded, and maybe you have a friendly wager with somebody, but you happen to see some Facebook thing, and you know the end of the game, the score that your team wins, now, how are you going to do when you're watching the video and your team's behind? Are you going to get worried? Even if it gets really bad, you're going to get more excited because you know, man, there's going to be a great comeback. Well, let me tell you, read the end of this book. We win, don't we? I mean, if God is for you, who can be against you? You're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. He's the one that called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. I just want to make sure as we close, first of all, there's only two teams. And you better be on the right team. God's new creation saints. Because you're either a saint or an ain't. And you need to be on the real saints. And the way you do that, God's not going to force his way in life. You've got to invite him in. And you might say, oh, Pastor Mike, you don't know what I've been. You don't know what I've been, what I've done. You don't know the guilt and the shame I'm dealing with. Well, you know when Jesus hung on that cross and was beaten, blood flowed from seven different places on his body. 
And it was a perfect blood that will take care of anything. The first place it flowed from, number one, was those thorns on his head. So you could be forgiven for that thought life you have and be cleansed up there. Number two, he was beaten in the face. So when you look in the mirror, you don't have to feel guilty about the things that you're going to have to face. Number three, his back for those times we turned our back on Jesus. Number four and five, his hands, those things you've handled and touched and haven't let go of. Number six, his side, those things inside of you, the bitterness or unforgiveness that you can't seem to get over. He bled for that. That spike through the feet, those places that you've gone that you shouldn't have. I'm telling you, that's seven. That's perfection. That blood of Jesus is perfect. It'll cover anything you've done. And I'm here to declare the word of the Lord to you today. For some of you, today is a brand new day. For some of you, you have the opportunity to become a new creature, a new person. Your past will be washed away, and you become white as snow. So with that, I want you to close your eyes, please. I'm going to ask you a question. If you died today... Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? You know, you all have a hole in our life. That's a God hole. Try putting whatever you want in there. It'll never satisfy you. Sports, money, girls, whatever. The only thing that satisfies you is a relationship with God. And some of you have never publicly asked Christ in your life. Some of you never invited God into your life. You don't even know what that means. Some of you have gotten off track. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up if you want to ask Christ in your life or if you want to get back on track. And like I said, I don't know why, but I felt like there could be 12 people here. And I already see one hand going up. So without further ado, eyes closed right now. Raise your hand if you need to get right with God. One, two, three, four, five. Anybody else? Six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Let's go. Give God glory. Amen. Amen. But now I want to tell you you're not a number. But right now, if you really meant that, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up and meet. Myself, Pastor Travis over at that cross. Because you know what happens when you do that? When you get up, because that's part of this message. This is your first chance to really get up. Jesus said, when you get up and stand up for me, he said, I'll stand up before you in heaven. If you deny me, I'll deny you. I have to. And I'm going to tell you, we got people coming already. Give God glory. Amen. Amen. Meet me over at that cross right now. Pastor Travis, you go over there. I've got one more thing. Is there a hand? Give him a hand clap. Your name's be written in the hands, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Pastor Travis. Hey, why don't we all as a congregation say this prayer together? You over there at the cross, anybody else, if you want to get on this prayer, you can. How many have said a prayer like this before? Amen. Give God glory that our names are right up there. That's better than any Super Bowl right now, isn't it? Hallelujah. Okay, let's say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you permission. Come into my life. Show me my mission. Give me the power to be able to accomplish that mission. And I thank you now, today, my name's in a book in heaven. And you're going to help me walk this thing out. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. I need some workers over there to help. We can get some workers over there to help. The rest of you, I mean, let me just pray over you. If you need to get in the game, first of all, you've already gotten up. And so just tell Lord, hey, show me that mission. I'm ready to step out in it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you right now. Lord, for all those that made this service possible, they could be a part in this wonderful Super Bowl weekend. Lord, what more could we ask? Lives being changed. Lord, we thank you so much, and we give you all the glory. Lord, if there's still somebody in here that needs to be healed, Lord, we pray healing for them in Jesus' name. If somebody needs deliverance from something, drugs, alcohol, fear, we pray that happen in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we just pray, help us to step out. Help us to move into that place you have for us. Let us not miss an opportunity this week to step out under the unction of the Holy Spirit because we are anointed. And, Lord, we will do what needs to be done in that moment and situation because you'll give us the gifts we need. And we want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Give me a hand clap. Altar team, if you'll come up. Pastor Zach's going to sing. Some of you might just want to come and hang around the altar a minute. Come and help out. I mean, you don't have to be on the altar team to help out with those people over there. You can just pray with them. They just need a hand to touch and somebody agree with them. If you want prayer for anything, we'll stick with you afterwards. Amen. God bless you.